Greetings, everybody. It's me, Amelia Robinson from Dayton.com, and I have a show for you filled with music and suspense and intrigue. I sat down for a fun chat with the amazing Alice Ripley, star of stage and screen in more than one way. Alice has worked with Broadway's heaviest of hitters and has a Tony to show for it. She won for the Pulitzer Prize winning musical Next to Normal. Before that, she was nominated for her role in Sideshow. And even before that, she was the first female pirate mascot in the history of West Carrollton High School. Arg. Alice joined me in WHIO Studios with her high school friend, Shelly Siebert. You can hear in the background. Shelly encouraged Alice to apply to be a part of TEDx Dayton, and you shouldn't be surprised that Alice landed the role. Alice and I chatted about TEDx Dayton, motherhood, being one of 11 kids, her not me, what it's really like to be a successful actress, how Meryl Streep helped her get through a very tough time, and how she's not friends with everybody. I really enjoyed my talk with Alice, and I think you will too. The What Had Happened Was podcast is produced by Dayton.com and brought to you by our good friends at Cox Digital Marketing. Let this trusted name in advertising find solutions for your digital needs. If you like what you hear, be sure to tell your friends about the What Had Happened Was podcast and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you find your favorite shows. Enough of the chit. Here's my chat with Tony Award-winning actress Alice Ripley. So thanks a lot for coming in here. This is the only reason you're in town, right? Yeah, no, I came here just for this podcast. <laughs> I'd do that for you anytime. <laughs> but you actually have something bigger to do. You're going to be a, a part of TEDx that's coming out. Yeah, I'm that's, excited. Is, is your first time being a part of the TED sort of it is. Cir- circus? Mm-hmm. Or circuit? I don't know what it is. <laughs> I think it's a, either one. Either, either the circuit or a circus works. <laughs> Why do you want to be a part of it? I'm a huge TED fan, and I've been watching them for years. It's always been a fantasy, and it's coming true. So I don't think a lot of people know it, but you're from West Carrollton, right? I graduated from high school there, yeah. But you were born in, like, California, though, right? You're right. I was born in California, and I grew up all over the Midwest, all over Ohio, actually, but I ended up graduating from high school there at West Carrollton. How'd you get to West Carrollton? I moved there when I was a teenager from Cleveland. Oh, I'm from Cleveland. Not by myself. Oh, right. Right (laughs) on Cleveland. Way to go. I'm, oh, 65th and half, so I'm from the hood. Lakewood. 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 It's a different side, kind of hood, me. but it's, yeah. <laughs> it's all Now hood. Cleveland's kind of, it's all kind of a hood that's growing together nicely. Yeah, it's nice mm-hmm. to go home and just see how the city has kind of developed and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You were in Lakewood. You came here. Right. Were you always thinking you were going to be an actress? Did you act here in, um, in Dayton area? Yeah. I n- always knew I wanted to be on stage. And when I was 10 and somebody asked me, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I said, I want to be an actor. They would laugh and they'd say, what do you really want to do? Oh. They kind of pat you on the head a little bit. So they're their little girl. Go uh, be a nurse well, or something. Well, not everybody, but some people do. And you just, you know, you have that fire inside that says, well, I guess I'm going to have to show them that I have something special. Did you know actresses or how'd you, I mean, that's, that's kind of No, a... I didn't. I never even met a, an actor that was working. I never saw a Broadway show till I was in my 20s. I just knew that I wanted that family of the theater. I wanted to be seen. What was that, do you think? Well, I'm the middle child of 11 kids, so... Oh, my God. That might have something to do with it. 
<laughs> but I also, when I was a kid, I had a, a voice that, that would make people stop what they were doing and just turn and look. Also, the acting and also the singing is a bigger part of what you do. Because you do the Broadway musicals. Yeah, and the... musical theater is kind of tying it all together. You'd kind of have to do everything all at once. So were your, <laughs> was your family like all musical, like the Swiss Family Robinson or something? Or like the, <laughs> like the Von Trapps? Von Trapps. <laughs> Not really, although we probably could pull that off if we wanted to because there's talent. But nobody really pursued it in the same way that I have. Where did it come from? Were you? My dad's a singer. Okay. My mother was very theatrical. I think that if she hadn't had kids, she probably would have. Eleven kids. <laughs> well, she had five, and then my stepmom had had six. Oh, so it's a combined family. <laughs> it's like the Brady Bunch. If Mr. and Mrs. Brady had a child, kind of ish. I would have been sad if the woman had 11 kids. I would have been like, this a uh, woman. I mean, just having five. Yeah. I don't know how. I really have so much respect for my parents. They did a good job with us. Except for me. I was the one <laughs> screw up. But can't have everything, Amelia. Yeah, you can. <laughs> we can have it all, right? <laughs> Wait, nobody told me this. <laughs> so when you were a screw up, how, how do you mean you were a screw up? Just because you colored outside the lines or something? No, I'm just kidding. I really was. I was the dutiful daughter. Did I say I was a screw up? Yeah, you did. Oh, I was just kidding. <laughs> No, I was always the dutiful daughter. That was easy to do because my parents were awesome. Are they still around? I felt loved. No, both my parents are gone. My stepmom's still alive. She lives in Springboro. So you see her when you come to town? Sometimes. Not this trip. I don't think it's too fast. But I've been coming here so often. Yeah, it's nice to frequent the Dayton area. So wait, what was West Carrollton High School like for you? So that was cool because I spent two years there. Most of my siblings were already living there and I was moving there from having lived with my mother. And my brother, who was just a year older than me, Scott, and my sister, who was just a year older, my stepsister, Kimberly, they bragged about me. They were at the age where they were really proud, really bragging about me. And they told everybody this next year when Alice moves to live with us when she comes to the school, she's going to get the lead in the musical. So everybody just get ready. My brother told all his friends, you know, just they were like rolling their eyes. And I did. I came in and I got the lead. So you're like, I'm here now. <laughs> well, Sing kind of, yes. Kind of. Um, <laughs> they tried to hate me, but you can't really hate me. I was voted everybody's buddy my senior year. So I, I won them all over. So it only took you two years to win them all over? No, just a couple months. <laughs> no, really, w- once they saw me in the role, I think they were like, wow, maybe she really should have gotten that part. And Shelly was the drum major. I ended up, I didn't make cheer- didn't make carol tones. So I, I ended up being the pirate mascot. It was the first time there was, it was a woman that was a mascot. I wasn't oh, even a really? woman, I was a girl. So, so I dressed up like a pirate. Oh, so that's I could, funny. You know, be, the, be on the I had to be on stage. I had to be on the field somehow, be in the center. (laughs) You know what I mean? Be seen. And it was really just a matter of posing like a pirate and going crazy when something went great, being sad when something went wrong. (laughs) And then Shelly and I, there we are, the freaks out on, on, you know, like, what are they doing out there? Just playing characters. Shelly had her drum major thing and I had my sword. And see, guys, you hear Shelly laughing in the background, so you know it's true. (laughs) You can't be quiet. There's no use. Yeah, you're like sitting over there, like holding your laugh, like, oh, I'm not going to laugh. (laughs) So you were a school mascot, right? Yeah, my senior year, I was. What was the the first role you you stole from all the other actresses? It was really just the one role because I was coming in as a junior, and the senior year, they didn't do a musical. I still don't know why. I still have to get the answer to that. We didn't have the money. We didn't have the money to do a musical. So I ended up running track with Shelly. But my junior year, it was The Music Man. That was the show that I think I stole away from Lori Schneider. <laughs> Lori Schneider? Lori Schneider, but that's not her name. And, you know, her, she has a different last name now. We're friends, but <laughs> I think yeah, I stole Yeah, you think Lori Schneider's She was Schneider's probably expecting <laughs> to get that role, and she 
she ended up playing one of the pick a little, talk a little, pick a little, talk a little, jeep, 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 pick a lot, talk a little more ladies instead of Marion. But you know what? It taught her a valuable lesson great. about life that she probably never forgot. You know, never trust anybody named Alice who comes in. She's going to steal your role. Or when Scott Ripley warned you about something, take him seriously. <laughs> Get ready. <laughs> he meant it. So when you were at Cleveland, you were already acting on this, this Yeah, stage. that's where I started. I talk about this in the TED Talk. My first role was a flying monkey in The Wizard of Oz. Oh, cool. I think I was 12 or 13. Of course, you, you audition and you want to get Dorothy. But the flying uh, monkey is pretty cool, too. Yeah, it's fun because you don't have any responsibility. Then you can just goof off and go, oh, we, oh, and they have the funny <laughs> walk and the funny costume. And, yeah, and that was back before we had cameras or phones or, or even color film. Everything or color just, film. They didn't even have cameras. They just draw things. <laughs> they do little sketches. Was it like, uh, did it have to be, not coloration is, um, oh, yeah. what I'm talking Colorized, about. Colorized, yeah. Colorized, whatever. yeah. You know, if I had a picture, I'd show you a picture of the, me as the monkey. We didn't have cameras back then. <laughs> we posed and somebody painted us. That's how long ago it was. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's something you could put in your resume, at least. <laughs> you were painted by one of the masters in Cleveland, maybe. <laughs> As a monkey. <laughs> Did you, were you a really it? good flying monkey yes. painting. Award-winning flying monkey. Because it's master. <laughs> <laughs> so were you doing like any of the like Cleveland Playhouse kind of stuff up there, or was it still like high school kind I'll of? I'll tell you, I, I would have loved to, but I was kind of grasping at straws, making it up as I go, like I always have. But in the beginning, I, I didn't know any actors. I remember I saw an ad in the paper to be an usher at Memorial Hall, because that was, we didn't have the the... What's the name of that? The center, the Performing oh, Arts Center. Uh, the Schuster Center. Schuster center. Yeah, Victoria. Um, Theater. Theater. I don't, I, I'm not really sure that that was really happening. It was Memorial Hall was the one place where, quote unquote, tours would come in. Not not the A-grade tours, but the, you know, the... Kenley um, Yes. Um, and it, I, I saw them. They, they put on good productions. So they were at Memorial Hall. And I remember I went in to apply to be an usher. This is how I was thinking. I was thinking, well, if I could just get myself inside a theater, get myself inside the theater. I knew I didn't want to be an usher, you know. You could have always just broken in, like, at night, just kind of like with a... Well, you figure, like, if you get to know the ushers, then one day you guys will be hanging out, having your break, and you'll start singing for them. Wow, you you gotta go in and audition. That is really how it works. Or one day one of those ushers writes Hamilton... And becomes your friend, Lin-Manuel, and then you work together because he remembers you from back in the day. But what happened was I, I remember I came downtown. There was a line that went around the block to be an usher. Really? To be interviewed to be an usher. Yeah. I'll never forget wow. it. Wow. There must have been 50 people. It was when a small block. Wouldn't be an usher? <laughs> and I, they wouldn't let me because I, was, I wasn't old enough. You had to be 15, and I wasn't 15 yet. That's what I remember. But you didn't stop there. You didn't let that trauma. Well, I didn't, but that was the thing. Yeah. I never said I can't wait. Someday I'm going to be an usher. That wasn't my dream. I was just thinking, how can I get inside a theater where people pay to see you? Because I used to put on my own shows with my sisters in the backyard, of course, to the Jackson 5 and the Osmond Brothers. (laughs) We don't choreograph it and invite the whole neighborhood, but that's not the same as a theater where people pay to come and sit sit and watch you. So eventually I, I did end up doing a lot of summer theater. I went to college and studied for my degree in musical theater, which I then received. And every summer, you know, you work in summer stock. And then when you're finished, you go off and start working, which I did. And I got my, my union cards. And then I moved to New York and everything kind of took off because my talent was really ready at that moment. I was an ingenue. 
with a capital I. <laughs> with a capital R. <laughs> Back then, that, you know, I give myself a facelift now as I say that. No. I'm not quite sure I'm an ingenue anymore. But. You're still an ingenue. <laughs> Depends we on who the leading. If it's Hugh Jackman is the leading man, then yes. I'm more of a leading lady now. The ingenue is the... Little girl, young well, girl. Yeah. The ingenue doesn't starting necessarily now. know how to use her hips, but a, a leading lady does. Hips don't lie. <laughs> hips don't lie, that's for sure. So do you feel like you're from Dayton or you feel like you're from the United States or Ohio? Or where do you feel like you're that's from? A, that's a fair question. I have to say, I want every city to own me. I think that San Diego could say that they own me. I think that Kent could say it owns me because that's where I graduated from school. Or Cleveland. Cleveland I might think of as like where I did my formative years because that was between 10 and 14. But then I finished high school in Dayton. So the experience of being in Dayton was huge for me because that's where I met my friend Shelly, who got me involved in the TED experience. We've been friends ever since we were in high school, and my family still lives in that area. My mom still lives over there. So Shelly got you involved in the whole thing? Shelly said, you know, you ought, to, you ought to apply for this. I bet you have a chance of actually getting an audition because you apply, and then you audition, and then mm-hmm. you start working on it. And I, I did. I, I actually I applied. The application was daunting, but I just did it anyway. And the audition was here, and they wanted to Skype with me because I live in New York, but I said, well, I have to be there in person because I insisted on that because what I do is really in person. Like, that's when you really get me. You're not going to get the impact necessarily if you just get it through a Skype. Got to get the real thing. <laughs> Got to get so in there and mix it up. the audition, and then I've, I think this is my third time now coming out. So, yeah, they really put you to the ringers, I guess. I'm sure Shelly wasn't you know, described has, that way. It's- they tell you at the beginning, it's the most incredible creative experience you'll ever ever go through. And I have to say, it's right up there. Really? It's, it's unlike anything I've ever experienced creatively. It's similar to when I was in a band. Everybody pitches in and you take the best idea, but all the material is coming out of me. And so that's kind of what it was like when I had my band. The band didn't really work out. This is actually working. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody really wants it to work, I guess. <laughs> So, I mean, you won the highest honor that an actress on the stage can win, a Tony. You think it compares to that sort of? I mean, like, obviously you didn't audition to win a Tony. You kind of just auditioned for the role to win a Tony, I guess, probably. Did you? I don't know. Well, I mean, I was happy the way that it came to me because that's the way I always thought it should be. Meaning you work really hard for decades and somebody goes, give her something. Look at her. Look at her. Give her something. (laughs) I feel like that's what they did to me. That girl dancing By the over time there. I got my Tony, I was really um, an integral part of the community and had worked with everybody and done so many things. And that was a great time to get it as opposed to right out of the canon when I first came to the city. I don't know if I would have appreciated it as much. It is something that lifts me up out of the, you know, the dumps if I'm feeling blue. You know, when you start comparing yourself to other people. Like they don't myself, have a Tony. Well, they don't yeah. have a Tony. I just like did that shower head with thing. it and stuff. They don't have it. So <laughs> I can do it because I'm not on camera. I would never do that if somebody was actually watching me. There's actually a hidden ca- camera in here. <laughs> there's, there's a hidden camera everywhere, Amelia. <laughs> I have a hidden camera aimed at you right now. <laughs> We're just kidding each other. Really. That's what we do now as Americans. We're, I'm not going to do keep that. it on record, right? <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I won't do it to you, but don't show me what you film of me. I don't want to know what I look like walking away. <laughs> you play some crazy mothers. I don't want to say crazy mothers, but some complicated mothers here it's funny because i don't have children what are you challenging to get that well i think that i do have a motherly instinct i took care of my siblings when i was growing up and i i love the role of mother i love housekeeping i love cooking love taking care of people that kind of stuff being the last one up and the first one up helping people that's in my nature i 
purposely steered away from it when I was younger because I knew I wanted to do this creative life, and I really didn't think I was going to do both. So you didn't think you could actually have it all? I just didn't. Sense? It wasn't even about, I don't think it's possible from where I come from because I'm not dabbling. I'm not dabbling in this creative life, and it, it's a 24-hour-a-day job. And from what I've learned, raising kids is, and, you know, yeah, and I didn't want to have to choose or neglect or whatever. So I made that choice early on. Boy, that's really, that's, there's some real personal stuff for you there. But I think that maybe that decision has helped me be more of a, uh, the person that's ready to help everybody else, whether it's teaching students or my siblings or my nieces and nephews, that I'm ready. I'm there. I don't have anybody else that's taking my attention right now. I can give it to you. So that's, that's, that's an important role to have, too. Yeah, it is. And everybody doesn't have to be a mother to be motherly, right? I don't think so. I think that sometimes I, sometimes I think that my choice of, um, you know, not being a mother has helped me be more ready to help people who need that that aren't my kids, if that makes any sense. And also you can go to the bar anytime you want to. That's how I figure it. You know, that's, what, that's another benefit. You, you know? don't have to go. You don't have to worry about those things. That's true. You don't really have to worry. No, where's my kid right now? But I have a cat and sometimes I worry about her in that way. Yeah. She's a baby. Yeah. I always was a joke that if I had a baby, I would just leave it in the bar anyway. So it's probably a good thing. <laughs> no baby. Yeah. The cat I'm can glad take you care said of that. Yeah. <laughs> the cat can totally take care of himself for at least three days, you know? <laughs> Then we'll have a friend watching. <laughs> I do have fans who who are so wonderful that follow me. A lot of them like me in the mother role. You know, like they see me as, I wish you were my mother. Really? That's, what they, that's how they say it to me. So I'm happy to help. I, I like to keep in touch with my fans. I'm, I would never say that I would, yes, I'll be your mother. I'm not going to say that. But, um, you know, I can help. I can listen, give you ideas. A lot of times I'm, I'm mentoring young artists they need somebody to light them on fire one way or the other. So I'm I'm kind of good at that. You said earlier that you wanted to kind of create a family, be a part of that acting family. How did you get in, into it and what is that family like? Alice is going to give us the what had happened in just one second. But first, I got two really great people in here today. I got Justin and Kate from Equitas. How you guys doing? Great, thank you. Good. So what is Equitas for people who don't know about it? Equitas Health, we are formerly AIDS Resource Center of Ohio. We are an AIDS service organization and a community-based healthcare system providing comprehensive and affirming care for the LGBTQ community as well as the medically underserved. And why is that important? Well, it's important because the healthcare that we have really across our nation, there, there are gaps in the system. And so we focus very much on the HIV AIDS needs of our communities as well as those who are medically underserved and that they don't have access because of health insurance or other comprehensive needs that they have. They need an integrated care model that we can provide. So Justin, how can people help out if they're interested? We have special events throughout the year that people can come and volunteer to help get set up for, to help run those. Our prevention and education department does a lot of like stuffing safer sex kits. So the little bags of condoms that they give out in the community, those don't make themselves so people can get involved that way. <laughs> people can come in and if you are a filing person, you can help our finance people get stuff done. So there are a lot of ways to get involved. There is like a volunteer link on our website, uh, which we can get to you. And I'd say that'd be like your first introduction and then reach out to us to see like what you're looking to do to help. And then we can get you matched up with the right groups of people. And you guys have some really great fun events that you throw on. What are those like? 
Yeah, Masquerade is it's definitely the closest event. It's a giant Halloween party. So much fun. <laughs> it is so much fun to attend and to plan dancing, performances by the Ruby Girls and other entertainment depending on kind of the year and what's going on. This year we're really excited. We're going to be using this really great space, the Dayton Transportation Center, the former Jillies, yes, and the former Bus Depot. We're going back to our roots. It's going to be kind of a gritty outdoor party. And our theme this year, Rio Nights, really allows us to kind of uh, get wild and crazy and let our hair down and really celebrate the community and the great work we do. So I feel like it's going to be really, really naked this year. That's what I feel like. That's the thing. You know, the really, we talk about it. Um, you know, the <laughs> only thing that's required, I mean, besides buying a ticket uh, for Masquerade, is you have to wear a mask. And there are definitely people who take that to the T, like to the key um, phrase there. And yeah, we've definitely got some body paint folks and some some people who come in very uh, elaborate costumes. But we see a lot of different stuff. So if people want to find out more about you guys, how can they find um, Equitas? We're pretty much on all of the different social media channels. So if you're, you're a Twitter or uh, Instagram or Facebook user, we have handles on all of those. We also have handles on most of those platforms for the different events we have. So if you have a real interest in Masquerade, you can follow that specifically. And there's always EquitasHealth.com. All right. So people... Figure it out, get your costumes ready, and go to Masquerade and check out Equitas. We'll see you there. So, Alice, how'd you get in the acting family? My family was in all different places. Like, they were kind of all over the place when I was growing up. And I wanted a place where I could go, and they would all be there. Of course, I'm figuring this out now because I'm in the middle of my life. You know, I wasn't conscious of this back then, of course. It feels good and right that I had a place to go, and I had a place to be seen by my parents and by my siblings, and I was doing something that would make people stop what they were doing and look and listen, and everything would get quiet while I was singing. And so I thought, well, this will be something that, well, if there was any doubt, if there were any doubt at all, that I'll get respect for this. I will be respected for my commitment to this. And and I just started working diligently on it with the long-term goal in mind being, I want to be able to be in the middle of my life and be a, a working performer who's busy and has no problem paying all my bills and all that stuff. In the midst of all that, I, I got these great shows and I got a Tony and that was that was a great honor. And part of that Tony is because of the role I was playing. The role is a big part of whether or not you get the award or get nominated, I think. That role is great. How'd you land it anyway? You know, what's funny is the roles that, with a couple of exceptions, the roles that were the most significant to me in my life so far, I didn't audition for. <laughs> It's important to keep auditioning. As they say, you keep your hand in. Because even if they don't cast you right away, they're going to think of you for something later or they're going to see you later and go, oh, wow, she looks like this, this, this. Maybe I should call this, this, and this. Well, you don't necessarily get the things you audition for, but that doesn't mean that you're not making it. Because, for example, the, the way that I got next to normal was Tom Kitt, who is the writer, he saw me in a Broadway show I did called Sideshow where I played a conjoined twin. And my twin, my acting partner and I, we got we were nominated for a Tony for Best Actress jointly. So it was the first and only time it's ever happened where two actresses shared one slot. I think that it was a real honor. They made a special decision. The Tony committee decided, I, I took it as a, a way of honoring our performance that they couldn't separate our, our characters because we were so enmeshed and... And I talk about this in the TED Talk. It's funny that when I was playing Violet Hilton, my co-star was Emily Skinner, and people still call me Emily. I, I think they're not sure who's Emily and who's Alice because of that show. 
But then what's funny is then I played Diana and Next to Normal, and some people thought I was Diana. And Diana is a is not a conjoined twin. Violet is way mo- much more like me, Violet Hilton, in Sideshow. She's most like me than any character I've ever played. I think it's interesting because she's a conjoined twin. Right. Obviously, I'm not. But or that's are the you? Only- <laughs> well, that's... The- <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's you, Amelia! You're my long lost twin! This whole time! I should have known it. So we were handed out to her. We're both from Cleveland. I saw your raspberry t shirt and your purple hair. I should have known that you were my twin. Totally. <laughs> this whole time we were twins and nobody ever told me. <laughs> oh, so Tom Kitt saw me inside okay. a show and he said, I'm going to write a show for her. He sat in the audience and and at the time, I had not met him, but our circles started crossing, and we did a lot of gigs together where he was playing piano, and I was singing with a bunch of people. And It was back when we had answering machines. That's how long ago this was. Wow. <laughs> so back in the, like, 40s or whatever, right? Well, yeah, back before they had color film, and they used to paint people <laughs> instead of take photos because they didn't have anything like a flash. It didn't exist. Um, so Tom Kidd used to leave messages on my answering machine, and he'd say, you know, the new him. You know that voice that tells you, beep, and it, Tom Kitt saying, I wrote the show. Back at the time, it was called Feeling Electric. Will you play this role? I wrote this role for you. It's perfect for you. And I, it took a while for me to be available. And then I just kind of, I opened, the first time I opened the script and I saw the first page, I started weeping. <laughs> I knew that that was me that I was reading. The first thing that you see in Nixon Normal says, Diana sits in a chair it's the middle of the night. She's hurting. She's raw. And I went, this, this sounds like me. Huh. Hmm. I kept listening to the music, kept crying. That turned out to be the role of a lifetime, and I never auditioned for it. I like to share that kind of a thing with students because they look at me and they think that I have it all figured out, A, which don't tell them, but it's not true, and B, that I always had it all figured Like I share with them that I come from the same place as they do and that they probably maybe have more opportunity than I did because they have maybe more resources with their family or they they get to go to New York and see a Broadway show or they get to do this, this, that, and this that I didn't get to do. I didn't feel like there was anything missing, but I do, I think that it would have been great to have met an actor working on Broadway when I was in college. So I like to go back to my alma mater and, and talk to the students and I like to get them fired up and I, I don't give them bad news because there's all kinds of bad news that that they like to give you the first day of acting class to tell you all this stuff. Like, don't do it. You know, it's hard. I tell you all these yeah. things that, should t- that might be true. But my thought is they're going to find out. You know, so why discourage them now? Because I see these kids and one of them is the next Lin-Manuel. One of them is the next Audrey McDonald. One of them is the next Kristen Chenoweth and Adina Menzel. And it's my job to go, you're next. So start practicing. Well, it's the same in journalism. I mean, I can tell you all day why you shouldn't do it, but at the same time, it's a great job, and I wouldn't want to do anything else. And it only gets better the more you do it, I think. I mean, the challenges are always there, and then life will hit you in the back of the head with a two-by-four. It's nothing to do with your job at all. But then I think that, like you, the creative job that you have, like what I do, it gets better the more you do it. The more you stay committed, the better it is. I think that's true. I think that if you dabble, you're doing everybody a disservice. What did your family say when you said you wanted to be an actress? My dad, he sat across the table from me when I was 15, and he pushed my social security card across the table. He said, honey, here, go get a job and have fun, you know, see what you can do, come up with. So my family never got in my way, which sounds like a backhanded compliment, but in fact it isn't. It's actually one of the best things that you can ask for. 
nobody ever said to me some of the things that a lot of people hear, which are, who do you think you are? Why do you think you're so special? You're not good enough to do this. You can't even, you don't even know how to do this. You can't even sing. You're not that good. You're not pretty enough. You're too fat, blah, 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 blah. And the truth is, any of these, those things could be true at the moment. But the kid's 10 years old. Right. <laughs> I mean, our best acting teacher, Sanford Meisner, said it takes 20 years to become an actor. And when you hear that when you're 20, you, you go, well, like I did. Well, that doesn't apply to me. I'm in the plus or minus 1%, obviously. <laughs> that's what I always did. And I think that's one of the reasons why I just put blinders on. But part of me knows that, that I have something special, you know. And, but the kid who's 10 years old who decides that he wants to be an actor isn't doing it lightly. They have that fire inside them. That's why. If they say they want to be famous, that's a different kind of thing. And I would say, okay, <laughs> I would just pat him on the head. I don't know what I would say to somebody that said they wanted to be famous because I don't think they really do want to be. They don't really. It doesn't seem fun to me. Maybe for 15 minutes because that's all you can stand it for. The satisfaction, I mean, I don't even know what that's like, but the little bit of taste that I've had of that is the satisfaction comes from how well you deal with it, not the notoriety itself, but how do you ride the waves? Can you still be a good person, empathic and all that, you know, while people are seeing you as this thing across the room? And you have to play it to a degree, too, because I tried being friends with everybody. It's impossible. I did really try because that was one of my things always. And I I can find something to like in everybody. But I don't necessarily bring everybody on as my friend right off the bat like I used to because you just can't do it. You create kind of this, it's almost a persona in a way that gets you through the crowd and you get to say hi to everybody and spend a little bit of time with them. But not dump all my personal stuff right. on them. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. have to be that way, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They want you to be that way, too, and I want it that way. So you didn't set out to be famous, obviously, when you were a kid. You, no. did, you never, did you never said, I want to be, uh, be Meryl Streep, or I don't know, or Audrey well, Hepburn? I mean, or, part of it is kind of intrinsic because, yeah, I'd like to be a movie star, but that's practical. It's not about being a star. It's when you star in a movie, you're a movie star. You know, so yes, Meryl Streep. Glenn Close, these people are my heroes, not just because of, um, well, and Glenn can do, she's a musical theater person. I don't really know very many people who can do everything, and she's one of them. She does movies that where she acts. She does plays where she acts. She's musicals on Broadway. And her Norma Desmond in Sunset Boulevard is absolutely incredible. Somebody like Glenn and Meryl, too, because as a film actress, I think she can't really be beat. It's not just that they're believable and they blow you away with what they do on screen it's it's who they are and how they've conducted themselves and the whole trajectory of their life and their career from the beginning until now and it'll continue that's what I look at that's what makes me think someone's a good actress not just because they're Meryl Streep and Sophie's Choice just tears me in half because she's so realistic such a sad story but it's also who she is off screen too you know, and how she yeah. interacts with people like you or somebody at a paper that she's talking to. or She's herself fans. still. Or that comes across that she's still a person and not yeah. like this. When I met her, right. I was at this function where she was being honored, and I was invited by somebody who just had a whole bunch of money and bought a ticket and had a hero. I said, here, you want an extra ticket, Alice? I said, sure. Otherwise, I might not have been there. But um, So my friend Lauren said, Meryl Streep wants to meet you, and I rolled my eyes. <laughs> I said, come on. She goes, no, I told her you were here. And she went, Alice Ripley? Oh, wow. (laughs) Which makes me laugh because, you know, she's probably nice enough to just do that, just to 
Not that your head popped easy. off. My head would have popped right off of his neck. Well, I mean, I got to tell her, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of mushy when it comes to things, but that's just who I am. But it's always real. And my mother taught me to appreciate beauty. Maybe I make it a little gushy sometimes at a certain moment, but it's, you can be sure that it, it's authentic. So I was going to talk to you about how much I love your raspberry T-shirt. You look like a raspberry. <laughs> <laughs> so when you saw Meryl Streeto, what did you say? Did you like oh, gush? So, she, so I said, um, I got to go up to her and say, thank you for this movie that she made. I mean, I could have named so many movies. I've seen everything she's done, I think, pretty much. But the one that I watched right before I met her was A Sleeper. Not very many people saw it or even, I don't know, nobody was really talking about it. It's called It's Complicated. It's Complicated. Alec Baldwin. I think I saw that. Steve Martin. Yeah. Meryl Streep. It's such a good movie. It's so moving to me. She just plays the perfect mom, the perfect flawed human mom. And my mother had just died. And I remember I watched that movie. God, my neighbors must have thought I was insane. My neighbors must think I'm Henry Darger. I'm always talking to myself and I never come out of my apartment. There's <laughs> all these noises. Um, I must have watched the movie a hundred times. It just made me feel so comforted. And so when I met Meryl that night, I got to tell her that. I got to, we had a couple of just like 15 seconds where I could look at her eyes and say, your movie, It's Complicated, helped me deal with my mother's death. And thank you so much for your performance. I think I almost started crying at that moment. And she said her face just took it in and she was... You could tell that she was really moved, that she appreciated that I said something about it. And, you know, when somebody might say something like that to me about something I've done, um, and, and at that moment, you really feel that that's the best part of it all, the best part of everything that you've done and that you've worked at is when somebody comes up to me and might say, I saw you in Next to Normal, and I lost my dad to an, a dis, you know, an awful accident, and I never grieved it with my twin brother, and we did last night. Wow. <laughs> and this is hundreds of stories. Like, I mean, I don't mean to take away from the impact of that because it's intense, but hundreds of stories like that. And it makes you realize that, on a side note, that it's a lot of people. One in th- two people are affected by what Next to Normal deals with. The grief, the mental illness that's caused by suppressed grief, I think that's what it is. When somebody comes up and says to me something like that or says, you know, I, I wanted to kill myself and I put on the Sideshow CD and I changed my mind. <laughs> You know, it's more common than you might realize how many times I've heard that kind of a thing. And so I can only imagine how many times she's heard that. And that makes me really proud to be an actor, that you know that you're in that you're in that group of people that might impact an audience or somebody else in a positive way and help help them over a little something that only they can get over. People read stuff I write and they say, well, that was that helped me. And some of it is like I just wrote on a, a fly and it wasn't even that important to me. But it ended up helping somebody else. You don't think Isn't that funny? about that. It makes you stop and pause and think what you do does matter to other people. And you can help other people by what you do in various ways. A lot of people can do it. Yeah. From just being alive, people can help other people. People see a kindness that somebody else expresses towards another person. And that thing helped that next person. Yeah. It's true. It really I, I is. Totally. And these days, really making eye contact with somebody, even if it's for three seconds, while you're going through a doorway or you're right. walking down the stairs, hold it a little bit longer than usual and see what happens. Sometimes you won't succeed. This is partly what I talk about in my TED Talk. You have to be willing in life to put yourself out there with no guarantees of success. But you're not going to lose very much if it doesn't You're just going to, oh, he didn't smile back at me. Oh, she gave me a dirty look. 
she was like, what's wrong with her? Well, that's kind of good. That's good practice for us, too, because you know what? That's not about us. Right. Look on somebody else's face. It's probably not about you, even if they're talking to you. So, you know, it's good to remember that kind of thing. And perspective is pretty important these days. Right. Yeah. I say this to myself. <laughs> well, right, I can get yeah. very emotional and worked up sometimes about things. And the more I'm allowed to speak my mind, the more careful I have to be about that. Just make sure it's exactly what I mean, that I say exactly what I mean. Just in everyday life, I'm talking. The climate of what's going on right now is encouraging, especially women, to say things that we wouldn't normally have said before. If we think it's going to help, I know I'm feeling that way. In what way do you mean that? Well, I've just turned up the volume on my Will Rogers approach to life. Never met a man I didn't like kind of thing. Okay. If someone irks me at the airport or on the sidewalk or whatever... That's the one that I'm going to focus on. And you focus on that person and I think, okay, so just pretend like that's your brother who you adore. And you watch your heart in your inner eye, but you watch your heart change shape right in front of your eyes. You know what I'm talking about, don't right. you? I mean, it might go back to uh, all angsty by the next street light that you're stopped at. But just do it again. A practice like yoga has taught, and you know, it's like a broken record with that word, but there's a reason why, I guess, that it is so useful for anybody that has a creative artist that uses their body because yoga teaches you how to work your mind and your body with your breath. And so yoga taught me how to be aware of that so that I'm standing at the street corner and your toes are crunched up in your shoes and you're holding your breath and your shoulders are crunched up around your ears and your tongue is pressed to the roof of your mouth and you don't even know it until you realize it. And then consciously release all of it. And then, you know, by the next block... Your toes are all crunched up again. <laughs> but it's, that's why they call it a practice. So you just slowly dismantle. I guess it's little things like if somebody cuts in front of me, instead of reacting, just kind of notice how that makes me feel and then see myself in that other person because I've done that. Every time someone cuts me off, I don't want to admit it, but I've done it. Not because I'm a bad driver, but because I just thought that I was doing the right thing at the time. Not everybody is going to be out there trying to do the right thing, but I think maybe everybody deserves the benefit of the doubt in order to make your own life better. And it's just better not to get all stabby every time, you know, because... It's crazy. Just, yeah. Because in the end, it's like the times when it does sometimes get escalated and you you apologize because you got a, had rear-ended somebody or like right. you stepped in someone's toe. You notice the air gets knocked out of it. There's a relief that happens. Like once you go, I'm sorry, or I didn't mean to do that. It's like... Like the what was building up kind of gets dashed in the middle in a good way. It's diffused. There's like a diffusion that goes on and you can force that. And I think it's good to, to force a, a diffusion when you feel, when I feel. It could be even a small judgment. And I'm not always perfect at it, but I'm getting better at catching myself, being annoyed at something. It doesn't even have to be a person. It could be a thing. I yeah. yell at God all the time. Yeah. All the time. Like, um, take a note that this is not working for me. Like later when we talk, I'm not going to laugh about this, okay? I know you think I will, but... I won't. I'm not. I, this is really not the way I think it should be done. Like this is a design flaw. There's a design flaw going on. Do over, right? <laughs> what brought you guys to Dayton, your family? When my parents divorced, my dad, he was still working in the same line, which was he traveled a lot and he was a manager type guy that would like show up at everybody's regional office. When they moved to Dayton, he was that's where he was I was going to say stationed. <laughs> that's where he was situated at the time in Dayton. And then eventually they moved. They lived in Georgia, a couple of different cities in Georgia, and then they ended up back in Dayton and that's when I moved in with the rest of the family. At the end they settled in Dayton. Yeah. Huh. I say, mhm. 
still have family here then? Yeah, my sister Kelly and her husband and her kids live here. And my mom, I have a sister and a brother who both have families in Columbus. And then a sister who lives in Cleveland. So we're spread out all over the place. Well, Ohio is home for you then. You got a part of your heart or something. Yeah, I think Toledo is the only city that I don't really know that well. <laughs> you should find somebody. Shelly, you have to move to Toledo. <laughs> But if we don't get there by 5 o'clock, they roll up the one sidewalk they have. <laughs> it's 10 o'clock, right? At night? Okay, we got a few hours. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you, the name of the show is What Had Happened Was. So um, just say What Had Happened Was and finish the sentence. You get what I'm telling you? <laughs> okay. What had happened was we walked in and Amelia was wearing a raspberry t-shirt. <laughs> You didn't expect that one. I did, did not you? expect that one. I thought you were gonna like say something uh, like profound, profound, or like <laughs> that was. Profound. It's true I, though. I, I talked about you. I turned it. You did turn you it didn't around. Expect your name. I didn't expect that you. You know, <laughs> but that's because you're an observer of human nature, trained observer. I always call myself a student. Human behavior. Uh huh. My favorite thing to do. You learn a lot when you watch people. <laughs> Well, thanks a lot for coming in. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Nope, I did not see the purple t-shirt comment coming. Didn't see it. But you know what? You never know what's going to happen when you ask somebody what had happened was. Or when you listen to the What Had Happened Was podcast. We have some great shows coming up, so be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Google Play. Why not subscribe to all three? Or four? Or five? Everywhere you find a podcast, subscribe to us. This show is produced by me, Amelia Robinson, in the WHIO studios. The show's fantastic artwork is by my buddy, Troy Liming. Until next time, see you later, alligator. Gonna see you crocodiles as well.